0: Thank you for sitting right there. (laughs) Appreciate you. (laughs) Uh, I love it when my front row people come second service, but like, wow. (laughs) It's nice to see everybody. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Nice to see you as you sit on the fringes of the outer reaches of the standard vineyard seating plan. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. I am super glad that you came today. We are in a summer series where we are preaching on the miracles of Jesus, and we are doing this because Jesus' miracles teach us about God and because we believe that God is still in the miracle business, and so these stories grow our faith. Our theme verses for this series are from John 20, verses 30 and 31. It says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. As a team, when we started this series, the preaching team, we just asked everyone to pick your favorite of Jesus' miracles, and I said, ooh, 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 I want Jesus calming the storm. That's what we get to hear about today. The story shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to read it from Mark 4 today. And there is a lot to learn about God and about ourselves in this story, mostly simple basic truths of life but the kind of simple truths that, upon reminder, strengthen and fortify our soul. There's a lot here that's relevant for your life today, or yesteryear, or coming soon. I'd like to start by asking how many of you would say your life has gone through a stormy season in the last five years. Hands up, please. Yeah, pretty much the same as first service. I don't want to ask who's going through one right now. We don't want anybody crying before the sermon even starts. But I know for a fact we have people who are here whose lives are in complete upheaval, who are experiencing what it's like to be tossed around and lifted up and to be in fear for your life. And I hope that this is of service to you today. I do have good news for everybody. Jesus can calm your storm. About two and a half years ago, I discovered I was going to get an unwanted divorce. I was immediately thrown into grief and fear and chaos. My whole world felt like it was coming apart. I didn't know if I would be able to keep my job. I was afraid if I lost my job, I'd lose custody of my kids and lose my home to say nothing about the marriage I'd had. I was in seminary. COVID was in full swing. I didn't have in-person access to my friends and my support network. My circumstances felt completely out of my control. And the more I looked at my problems, the worse everything seemed. I was tossed around by fear, which is unusual for me. I was full of anxiety, which has not been normal for me for a couple decades. If you struggle with anxiety, I am so sorry. I do believe that God has a path for you to get out of anxiety completely eventually. And uh, it's just a hard way to live. My life was the wildest and worst storm I have experienced. I couldn't see very far ahead. All I could see was wind and waves threatening to capsize me. I wish that there was a way for us to bypass the storms of life. Wouldn't it be nice if you followed Jesus and he led you around the storms and behind the storms and you all of a sudden get a special skip out of this storm for free card? Could I get an amen? That would be pretty sweet. That is not how it worked for Jesus. And that's not how it works for us either. The storms keep coming, and so today we're going to turn to the Bible and see if we can learn anything about navigating our storms. Today's passage is short, but it is full of big ideas. Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. All the other boats followed, but soon a fierce storm came up, High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him out, shouting, "'Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown?' When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, "'Silence, be still!' Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, "'Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith?' The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I went to a Southern Baptist undergraduate school, and I was taught that good sermons use threes. And so this week, I have three threes for you. Try to hang with, see if you can manage all the amazingness. All right, I'm going to get my Baptist gold star today. All right. There are three things uh, that we learn about God and about ourselves, about Jesus specifically, and about ourselves that I'm going to start with. Here's three things we learn about Jesus. Number one, Jesus crosses boundaries. And this isn't obvious in today's texts, but if you read it in conjunction with the context around it, you see Jesus is leaving his homeland, and he's going to visit the Gentiles, the people who are not the people of God. He's going to have this crazy encounter with a man filled with demonic spirits, and then this herd of pigs things happens. You're going to hear about that in another couple few weeks from one of our preachers. The boundary between the Jewish people and outsiders was a really important one. And the Messiah, the Savior, was expected to stay inside the boundary. But Jesus did unexpected things all the time. And sometimes that had unexpected consequences that affected him and people he loved. He went through so many major transitions, like from refugee to carpenter to rabbi to public figure to resurrected Messiah. Have you experienced storms, or are you experiencing them currently, in a transition in your life? If and when you do, Jesus can identify with what you're going through because of his own experiences. He can walk through those things with you, or maybe nap through those things with you, as the case may be, right? Jesus may even call you to transitions in your life. Jesus might send you somewhere you've never been, like our own Bob Arcand, who went on the Puerto Vallarta trip with our missions team, or Don Weber, who went to the front lines of the Ukraine with audio Bibles and portable power packs, and both would say Jesus was with them in the journey. Amen? Amen, Amen, Bob. Whatever the challenges, when you cross boundaries while carrying the message of good news, you're in amazing company. Jesus did that, and he knows the kind of storms that rise up when you do second thing we learn about Jesus is that Jesus is not afraid. Jesus is in a boat tossed around so badly that the professional fishermen in the boat are out of their minds with fear. And what is Jesus doing? He is taking a nap. That is about as peaceful as I can imagine. Who loves a good nap? I love a good nap. I'm going to take one today. It's going to be amazing. Hebrew texts rarely include what's going on in someone's internal world, and so we don't know why Jesus is fearless. Is it because he knows his eternity is secure? Is it because he knows he has power over nature? We have no idea. What we do see is that in circumstances that would rattle us, Jesus is at the center as a center of peace and calm. The language here is often translated as Jesus telling the storm, peace, be still. And I love that Jesus can speak peace into a storm. I love that Jesus can bring peace into the natural world, just like Jesus so often brings peace into our spiritual world. As I was praying for the connection cards this week, which I hope you fill out every week, and I hope you give us the chance to pray for you too, a newer attender said that before coming to church, They were so full of worry and anxiety that they were almost incapacitated, and the worship service helped them reach that better place of peace. Services here have very often done the same for me, especially in my season of COVID and divorce and grief. Jesus always has the power to bring peace in good times and bad. Several of the commentators I read note that the Gospel of Mark is most likely written to encourage Jewish Christians who survived the destruction complete destruction of jerusalem and the temple by the roman empire in 70 a.d and these commentators note that mark includes this story because it brings consolation when we're going through upheaval terror and loss and so reading about this miracle didn't bring an instant fix for the invasion of your homeland right what it did was bring comfort in loss that jesus has the power to speak even there And I want you to know God can bring you comfort through the word and through the stories of Jesus Christ. Whether Jesus speaks your storm away with a word or whether Jesus walks through your storm with you slowly, one day at a time. When I think about Jesus not being afraid, I think about 1 Timothy 1.17. Our God is not a God of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is the God that we serve. When we are afraid... God responds with power, love, and wellness of mind that can supersede and wipe away our fear. God has these things available for you as you turn to Jesus. And so if you're experiencing fear today, whether raw fear or worries and anxieties, we would love to pray for you today because God has a different spirit for you to carry and it's one that's better in every way. The third thing we see about jesus here is that jesus has power over the world how amazed would you be if a human being rebuked a storm and it immediately settled down i would be astounded i would follow that person around for the rest of their life till i figured out that how they did it odds are good they would say oh it wasn't me it was god right the disciples don't know anything about jesus yet not much and this miracle reveals his nature in a new way This miracle shows something we know about Jesus from other scriptures, that Jesus is the Son of God, that through him everything that was made has been made. That's from John 1 and Colossians 1. The Jesus we follow has more power than we often realize, including the power to calm circumstances beyond our control. And that leads us to one of the toughest things about extended storms in our lives. I know when I was going through mine, I cried out to Jesus roughly every minute of the grief I was experiencing, and Jesus responded, but man, it was not instantaneous. Why did it take so long? Why hasn't Jesus fixed all our storms for everyone in the room and outside this room right now? On a case-by-case basis, I have no idea, and I can't explain it. But I know the Vineyard does have some helpful theology for things like this. You may have heard it before. It's worth repeating. We live in the now and the not yet. Jesus has already now come and been resurrected. And through Jesus' coming, we pray that great prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done right now here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And sometimes we see that happen. At the same time, Jesus has returned to heaven and has not yet brought heaven to earth. And so we live in an in-between stage where there's plenty of not yet there happening. And so we continue to pray, we continue to seek God, we continue to ask, and yet we know we're in the now and the not yet, and it's not always going to happen. And so not all our storms are calmed instantly, but let's remember, on occasion, Jesus acts with miraculous power and overcomes the stuff even that is happening outside our souls. That's worth going to Jesus for then and today. So Jesus crosses boundaries, Jesus is not afraid, and Jesus has the power to calm storms. What do we see about ourselves in today's passage? First thing I see is that we are vulnerable The disciples were afraid because they could capsize and drown. Early in life, we discover all people die, all of us. And so the fear of death joins us at some age, and it gets better or worse, depending how our life goes. Our bodies know pain, as well as our minds and souls. Yesterday, I ran a 15K 30-obstacle race with my 18-year-old son. Guess which one of us feels good today? I know pain, right? This thing has get electrocuted a couple times, jump into ice water, 40-foot climbing things. And uh, I had to walk around the last seven because I can't tell you all the things that were going wrong. It's too much, right? Our bodies hurt. And so we are vulnerable to the world around us, especially when we choose to love, when we open our hearts, our lives, our homes. Sometimes that comes with a cost, just like it did for Jesus. As humans, were vulnerable to pain and death. one solution is to hide our vulnerability, but a life of deception doesn't help anyone, including ourselves. One of the greatest things about Celebrate Recovery, our 12-step recovery program for hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's on Tuesdays. You have one of those three things. It would be awesome for you to be part of Celebrate Recovery. One of the great things you learn in recovery is to stop trying to hide your vulnerabilities. All of us carry them. You learn to start living with the vulnerabilities open and available to other people, knowing it may come at a cost, but knowing that hiding it has an even worse cost. Another way uh, to deal with our vulnerabilities is to try to make them go away, to be as healthy and safe as humanly possible. But all that's going to do is delay the inevitable, right? If you're so obsessed and worried about coming death, you can just spend your whole life focused on your worry about the coming death. And uh, is that really going to help you in the end? I don't think so. We are just as the disciples were in their boat. We're vulnerable. And on top of being vulnerable, point two, we are afraid. Perhaps due to our vulnerability, we find so many reasons to fear. We're afraid for our health, or our life, or our future, or our relationships, or the million smaller fears, the fear of being left out. Got to check my Facebook fear of not belonging, the fear of spiders, or social gatherings, or heights, or like so many things we have names for fears of, right? Of what? Clouds. Wow, tough fear in Minnesota. I think Phoenix is the place to go for that one. All right, these fears are actually at odds with the character of the God who lives in us. God is not the God of fear ever period, full stop. God commands in the Old Testament in many places. I'm going to go with Isaiah 41.10 today. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again and again, God connects our faith to discarding our fear. This passage and others like it invite us to look to God's power instead of look at the things that make us afraid, as if God's goodness and might are enough to drive fear away. And I think verses like this might be why Jesus rebukes the disciples for not having enough faith. They've been told over and over in the scriptures they've known since birth as the Jewish people that God tells them not to be afraid and to put their trust in God And so when he sees their fear, he says, why don't you have faith? Why can't you look to God? Since the dawn of the relationship between God and humanity, God has encouraged us to trust God and resist fear. That battle with fear and vulnerability leads us to the third things we see about ourselves in the story, and this is a good one. We find help in Jesus. The Disciples might not have been faithful enough to be completely free of fear. I don't know anyone who is yet. But they were wise enough to do one good thing. They turned to their friend, Jesus. This is the single best thing you can do to grow in your Christian faith. There's a reason we build our service toward that moment where you worship and pray yourself. It's because we are trying to every week live out that we are a people who turn to God with our stuff. I don't know what stuff you brought today. I don't know if your stuff's in the middle of a storm. But when we get together, we want to remember, hey, we don't fix each other's stuff. We bring it to God, and God fixes our stuff. When the storms come our way, we can turn to Jesus. Think of the storms you're currently enduring. How can you turn to Jesus in the middle of what's happening right now? One way is go to church. Way to go. I think that's a great thing to do when you're in the middle of a storm. I started talking today about the recent storms in my life, having come out the other side. I can testify, turning to Jesus is what kept me going and helped me come out with joy. I did three things that helped me turn to Jesus in the storm. I'm going to offer these to you as something you could do in a storm as well. Number one is press in. I went to church and got prayer again and again and again. I would come and I'd be like, am I really going to go up and get someone to pray for me again this week? And then I'd be like, you know what, they look lonely up there. I'll go do it for them, right? That's really what it's about, right? (laughs) It helped every single time, every single time. Not once did I leave getting prayed for and feel like that was not worth my time. I kept going with seminary, which I was doing at the time. And I really leaned into my relationship with Sue Marsden, who's one of our founding pastors. She was mentoring me, and having the counsel of a wise woman of God helped me hear Jesus through her again and again and again. And so I want to encourage you, press into your relationship with God, both through your personal practices and also by finding a wise person who knows God and getting their counsel for your storms as well. The second thing I did was learn and grow. We're always tempted in a storm to stare at the storm as if somehow we've got the power to make the storm go away. Have you ever found that's useless? Have you ever found that sitting and dwelling on the things tossing you around actually does not help at all and kind of does the opposite of help, right? I joined a life group for divorced people, and some of us have been divorced recently and some for quite a few years. We found a really helpful book that moved us all toward growing through what was happening rather than being victims of what was happening. I made sure I was alternating between coaching and therapy or both. I am a big fan of getting all the help you can from someone who is not in a storm when you are currently in a storm, whether it's coaching, spiritual direction, mentorship, counseling, or therapy, whatever help you can get when you're in the storm, reach out, get that help, learn to grow through your pain. And I took the Vineyard's latest offering, which is called Emotionally Focused. I just want to talk about that for a second. Emotionally Focused is probably the best thing the Vineyard has ever offered to everybody who comes. All of us on staff have gone through the initial weekend of Emotionally Focused, which is followed by a six-month journey in a cohort. You get, like, weekly coaching and peer support for something like $150 for six months. It is an unbelievable value, and what it does is help you grow both emotionally and spiritually in dependence on Christ at the same time in a way that brings tremendous freedom. If you would like to take Emotionally Focused, it is extremely low cost, it is incredibly helpful, let us know on your connection card, and we will be glad to get you on the path to doing Emotionally Focused yourself. We also have a new way for you to learn and grow that we are offering coming up on July 22nd. We're offering a class called Miracle Work. Justin Law, our worship pastor and uh, pastor of several other areas, including prayer here, uh, read this book a while back, and he was like, oh my gosh, I think this book is amazing, but I think you might not like it. And so my interest was piqued, and we made it a theology pub book. And I read that book, and I totally liked it. I thought it was awesome. Awesome. And uh, Miracle Work is about the very helpful idea that there's things you can do to grow in seeing miracles happen. And uh, I believe it, right? Uh, I encourage you, find out what it would be like for our church to turn to God and try to grow in seeing miracles happen in the world. How amazing would it be if we saw more miracles happening around here? It'd be pretty valuable. I plan to take this class. I'm assuming my schedule's open. Uh, I hope that you'll take it with us. Uh, maybe one of your ways out of your storms is to show the devil that you're not overcome and that you're going to grow through them anyway. The third thing I did that was real helpful was dedicate time to God. I've got the ADHD, and your second service people, a whole bunch of you do too. I love you people. This is my people right here. Sleep late, come to service, right? And so um, obviously lots of my life's devoted for God in good times and in bad But in seasons of grief, of loss, of storms, it is a really good idea to spend more time dedicated with God. I spent more time with Jesus when I was going through my storm. A lot of that time, I would literally just feel bad or feel afraid or cry in Christ's presence. My storms were bad enough, I took a few months away from work, and I dedicated a couple weeks of that time to God. These things gave me the strength to move forward. They gave me encouragement to feel better, and they gave me guidance for my life, and I'm super glad for those things because I can't get them myself when I'm in the middle of a storm. Here I am a few years later. I feel forgiveness coming to me, which is amazing, and through me, which is amazing. I'm finding a ton of joy in my family, my job, and my community. And I can say Jesus has been faithful, and I consider the way Jesus has rescued me in the storm to be a miracle. My miracle, this time, was slow. It was more a miracle of Jesus' accompaniment and guidance in the middle of a storm. But I know what it's like to have Jesus end the the storm immediately. I remember when I was 23, God came into my room. I intended to end my life. I was a drug addict. I couldn't stop. I had no self-respect. God held me through the night, and when I woke up in the morning... My addiction to drugs was gone completely. I didn't want them anymore. And so I've experienced the calming of a storm immediately and in slow motion. God being with me in fear and grief, through presence and love, bringing me back to myself, and even me allowing me to grow beyond myself. And I just want to tell you, Jesus can do the same with you. If you'll keep turning to him. May you find Jesus at your side today. Wake him up from his nap that's what it takes. I want to invite the worship folks to come back up. I want to invite you to stand as you're able. I have uh, three tips for you to put into practice. I guess that makes four threes today. So many threes, we can't handle it. Uh, These are for putting the Word of God into practice as we've received it today. Tip number one is read Mark 4. The stories of Jesus are in there for a reason. They're in there to give you belief and power and hope. Tip number two, pray for God to rescue you or someone you love. If you are not currently in the middle of the storm, you know someone who is one of our own uh, longtime attenders is in the hospital right now in a medically induced coma and her daughter and their family are by her side all the time and they're members here too and we just always have people who are facing the hardest things that life has to offer because we're all still people. Pray for God to rescue you. Pray for God to rescue someone you love. You can pray for Lisa in the challenges that she's facing. That would be appreciated. Tip number three is a little bit more mystical than our action tip usually. Turn to Jesus. I've included the ways I did that. Press in, learn and grow, dedicate time. But you might know there's another way that works for you to turn to Jesus. I want to encourage you, whatever it is, do it today, do it right now as we transition into worship and prayer. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up to pray for people today? And we had kind of a line for people to get prayer first service. Maybe we could use a couple extra people if you're willing and if you've been trained to pray. Really appreciate those of you who pray for people. The rest of us, I want to hit this a little harder than usual. Do it for them, people. Come up and get prayer for them so they don't stand here alone, you know. (laughs) Take your storms to the living God and do it with the help of someone who's not currently in the same storm and receive the ministry and the prayer that God offers through them. I'll lead us in our prayers as we transition into worship again. So God, uh, we are so thankful that you are with us, that Jesus, you've come to be with us that even as you've gone to heaven you send your spirit to be with us and minister to and with us in the storm and i want to pray first for anyone who's facing a storm here as part of our community for lisa and her kids and her family we pray that you'd bring healing and a miracle for us who are here god we ask would you meet us in our storm wake up jesus stand up and speak to our storms give us the guidance and the presence that we need and i pray for those who need it most desperately that you would calm the storm immediately by your power god help us to be a people who turn to you and who learn and grow even through the worst things the devil throws at us god help us to yeah okay um God, we want to worship and come to you right now. We ask that you would uh, grow us in our discipleship. Grow us in remembering that you're with us and for us. Grow us in remembering that you can do good in all our circumstances and bring peace in any situation. And to you who are here, I speak peace. May the peace of Christ flood your body, your mind, your spirit today. Please come receive prayer as God leads. And uh, let's go back to worship, worshiping the Lord together.